Hey guys, welcome to a Light in the Darkness podcast. I'm Carly Robison. I'm a wife, a mother, and a person who's been suffering with severe health challenges for over 10 years. Through that time, I've had successes and failures while trying to maintain a positive attitude. Now I want to share what I've learned with you, hoping to make your hard times a little easier. This podcast is to help those of us facing times of darkness and trial find ways to let the light in. Hey guys, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We are going to be talking to a licensed clinical social worker. Her name is Lara Woodruff. And first, let me tell you a little bit about her, and then I can kind of explain why we're going this route. Lara Woodruff got her bachelor's and master's degree in social work from BYU. She has been a therapist for 22 years. She's been married for 24 years, and she has five kids. Lara specializes in working with anxiety, depression, PTSD, and grief work. She works with teens, couples, individuals, and families. She's been trained in EMDR and has enjoyed utilizing this tool to help people with PTSD. For the first 10 years of her career, Lara worked with teens and families at a crisis center for youth, as well as various residential treatment centers for youth. Then for 10 years, she worked at Family Services for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And for the last two to three years, she's had her own practice situated in West Jordan. In Lara's spare time, she enjoys gardening, photography, and spending time with her family and two dogs. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Lara. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> I love it. So as a way of explanation, um, I just kind of wanted to let everybody know something that has come up in a lot of the interviews that I've been doing is a lot of people have talked about the importance of seeing a therapist while they're going through their different trials. I agree that it is so important to talk to somebody about the difficulties that can come in your life when you're having hard times. And I just wanted to put it out there that it's normal and it's okay. Laura is actually my therapist and she is such a great person. And um, I just felt really strongly that we needed to have an episode dedicated fully to talking about therapy why it is important, and then giving everybody kind of a few strategies. So thanks again for being here, Lara. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the kind words. I appreciate <laughs> So the first question I kind of wanted to talk about just as a basis, because really I feel like this is kind of a taboo topic. I feel like I know in the generation maybe with our parents, um, they really didn't talk about therapy and even feel like they could go to therapy very often. I think with my generation, we're getting a little better at it. And hopefully the generation coming up is even better at seeing a therapist. So what is therapy? Okay. Well, um, I think, like you said, I think a lot of people associate it sometimes with shame or like they're weak or negative connotations where I sort of see it the opposite way. I think it takes courage to see a therapist and what is great about a therapist is it's a way that you can learn more about yourself and have another perspective on the issues and concerns that you're experiencing. And therapists are trained so they can help you. I think one of the biggest issues that people have is they don't know how to handle this. This is new for them, whatever they're experiencing. And so a therapist can give you tools and directions that are 
clinically proven to help. And so um, they do, they have the information that can help you. I mean, to me, mental health is sort of like a physical, like if you had a physical problem, yeah. there are symptoms involved and they need to be treated by an expert. It's not just something that you can do on your own. It's sort of like diabetes. You wouldn't just um, hope for the best at home. You would go get yeah. treatment. And the same thing with depression and anxiety. And at any given time, one out of every five people is suffering from depression and or anxiety. And wow. those are sort of the basics that a lot of us suffer with. And it's sort of sad. My thought is why suffer so long? Because there are so many ways that, that we can take that edge off. We can help. And that's sort of what I'm all about is hopefully helping people to overcome those symptoms or get to a better place. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Um, I think a lot of times, even honestly, when you're sick and want to go to a doctor, right? Most of us kind of put things off (laughs) and we wait until we're really bad until we go and get the help. And um, I think that that would be wonderful if the world could kind of retrain our thoughts around therapy and just think, you know what, I'm having a hard time instead of waiting and trying to tough it out um, getting that help right at the beginning. I can't imagine how much easier life would be for a lot of people. <laughs> it is true. It is true. And Hey, and I appreciate, I'm like, I'll go ahead. And I was just going to say, I'm not a hypocrite myself. I, I go to therapy. I have family members. We, we do therapy in our family. And so I think I just, I think it's good. Like I said, I like to take the shame stigma off because we can all use another perspective. And, and so anyway, it's very helpful for all of us. I think. I agree. That's exactly why you're here today. (laughs) We are both feeling the same thing. So when should you see a therapist? Do you think? Um, so I feel like anytime it starts to interfere, whatever condition we're suffering with, when it starts to interfere with the functioning, Okay. So for example, if we can't go to school, we can't go to work, we're having a hard time getting up for school or work, or our relationships start to falter, or we start to have problems in our relationships, um, or if we have a hard time taking care of children or, or follow, following through with our duties, you know, that we do day to day, definitely if we're feeling suicidal. I mean, that's just... Anytime you start to feel suicidal, it's definitely time for an intervention. Um, or sometimes people also want to self-harm. So when self-harm comes into play, those are important times to take care of it. Or a lot of times our body takes score of what's going on with us. Yeah. And so if we notice that we're having a lot of physical difficulties, oftentimes we're having emotional difficulties also. And so sometimes by taking care of the emotional, it really does help with our physical too. That's so true. It really does. (laughs) Thank you. So one thing that I've kind of noticed in all of the interviews that I've done so far is everybody has kind of expressed feelings of grief. And it's something that's kind of been interesting to me because you think about grieving in the traditional sense um, when you lose a loved one. And I think most people have experienced that. Maybe not everybody has experienced it. Um, maybe it's just a grandparent or kind of something removed. Um, I haven't talked about it on here, but I'm planning on doing an episode. But I have um, my sister just younger than me. She committed suicide when she was 29 years old. And she had struggled with mental health issues for pretty much most of her life. And that's one of the reasons, again, that I do feel like therapy is so important. Um, so I do understand that grief can be a traditional and I have experienced that, but I've also experienced grief 
in other aspects of my life. I've experienced grief when I had my health diagnosis and I really had to let go of the life that I imagined for myself. And it was really difficult. Um, a lot of the people that I've interviewed so far have talked about grief. So is it okay if we kind of focus our interview today on grieving, the different types of grief, and kind of some different strategies that we can use to overcome it? Absolutely. Great. <laughs> I, I love talking about these types of things because like you said, I think it's universal yeah. that we all deal with grief. It's And like you said, I think it's normal for us to think of it in terms of if someone dies or passes away. Um, however, it's something that I think we all deal with throughout our lives. And I think really what where grief stems from, it's a sort of a loss or a change in what we expected. Okay. And well, it can be that way. Cause it's like, often that's the loss is sort of what we were anticipating sort of the things that we thought would happen. Um, whether it's with our health or, or losing a loved one or, um, I don't know, losing a job, um, all types of, like you said, there's so many different life transitions where there's loss and, course it can be loss of a loved one but there are also so many other things that create create that feeling of of loss and grief in our life yeah exactly so let's talk a little bit um my episode with tina kirkman she is has a terminal diagnosis from cancer and she talked a lot about the stages of grief so i was hoping that we can kind of talk about the stages of grief first what are they yes so there are five stages of grief and the first one is denial And that's where we just, we can't wrap our head around what's happened. We are just completely blindsided and it just, it can, it can take a little while for us to sort of be able to put our mind around it. And that's, what's hard with grief. We can't put a time frame on it. Everyone is different. So there's not, you can't say like, this will last this long. Um, it, It sort of depends on the person. Yeah. And a lot of different factors of how long it will last. And sometimes don't you, can you go back? <laughs> like you'll, you'll have moved on and then something maybe will trigger and then you'll have to go to a different one. <laughs> I think when we talk about the stages, there are five stages and that you tend to go in that pattern. Okay. However, I always say you flip back and forth between them yeah. because you're not, because, well, let me just name the five okay, first so yes. that I know what I'm <laughs> people can understand what I'm talking about. So the first um, stage is denial, then comes anger, then comes bargaining, then comes depression, and then comes acceptance. So overall, you'll sort of go in that order. However, obviously, with the whole process, you will be experiencing depression or anger. Like, so a lot of these things can be ongoing too. However, you'll have a period where that's very strong. Yeah. where that stage is, is sort of the overall theme of what's going on for you at that time. Okay. That makes sense. And so denial can last a long time sometimes because it is, especially if you have a very, um, it, and this is what's interesting about grief too. This is what's heartbreaking is um, it's all what we might I think, unfortunately, we judge sometimes and we don't understand why another person is experiencing grief over something that we're like, well, that seems like a small thing. Why are they having so much grief? And 
So I guess what I mean is we need to recognize that we all have different values. We all have different priorities in our lives. And so we experience things differently. So something that might not be upsetting for one person might be very tragic for another. For sure. So we have to be, I don't know, kind to others in, I think, the way that we react to others and just being kind. Um, and, and one of the things, there's actually a term for some of this. Um, okay. It's called disenfranchised grief. It's where other people don't understand sort of like why you're having that reaction. So it's like sometimes someone's really, really um, in a lot of grief and pain over a loss of a pet. And other people mm -hmm. might say, well, that's just, you know, it's not a person. Or they'll say pretty, um, I don't know, they'll be judgmental about it. And, you know, we need to sort of recognize that there's all types of things people can experience loss over. And some of the things that sometimes involve the disenfranchised grief where people Sometimes we might, we might think that people are making a big deal over something we wouldn't understand. This can be with like adoption or dementia and Alzheimer's. Like often if someone's going through that, we, we just sort of pass it off, you know, or if someone experiences a loss of possessions or I think sometimes with safety and with uh, abuse or even crimes, I think sometimes there's taboo things that we don't want to talk about. Yeah. So sometimes those things are ignored. Um, and, and as you've discussed, like health issues, that's a big thing. And I think sometimes we minimize them and sort of sad for those it is. who are involved. So I have a quote that kind of sums up what we were talking about. Um, it is by Dieter F. Uchtdorf, and he is a leader in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he said, over the years, I've had the sacred opportunity to meet with many people whose sorrows seem to reach the very depths of their soul. In these moments, I've listened to my beloved brothers and sisters and have grieved with them over their burdens. I've pondered what to stay, say to them, and I've struggled to know how to comfort and support them in their trials. Often, their grief is caused by what seems as an ending. Some are facing the end of a relationship, such as the death of a loved one or estrangement from a family member. Others feel like they're facing the end of hope, the hope of being married, bearing children, or overcoming an illness. Others may be facing the end of their faith as a confusing and conflicting voice in the world tempts to question them to question and even abandon what they once knew to be true. Sooner or later, I believe that all of us experience times when the very fabric of our world tears at the seams, leaving us feeling alone, frustrated, and adrift. It can happen to anyone. No one is immune. I just loved how he put that. He's so great with words. And that's, that's exactly what we've been talking about is there are so many different kinds of grief. And I love how he talked about how he pondered what to stray with, say to them, and he really wanted to comfort and support them in their trials. I loved that. That is beautiful. First of all, maybe that's something good that we could talk about. Could we talk about how to support somebody that is grieving? Absolutely. So um, I like what, what some of, anyway, part of that quote, um, it talks about sort of what is mentioned in the Beatitudes. Um, comfort those who stand in need of comfort and mourn with those who mourn. And a lot of times they just need our presence. Yeah. And one of the recommendations they give is say something. 
<laughs> because often we avoid talking about that with that person because we don't want to bring them pain yeah. or we don't, you know, we don't want to upset them. However, the silence is often what hurts people more than anything. So addressing whatever issue is at hand openly to that person often actually can be healing and helpful for them. To, it's almost an acknowledgement and a validation of the pain they're in. Yeah, that makes sense. And so that's a huge thing. And I think um, I, I joke about this is um, there from the scriptures where it says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I actually have a different version of that <laughs> because often we want to do for others what we would want done for us. Yeah. However, with grief, we need to be really cognizant of what someone else might need. And recognize that what you would want in that situation may not be what they would want. And so recognizing, trying to recognize how we can show up for them in a way that's comfortable for them. Some people do want to be alone. Some people need people to reach out to them. We all need different things. And the way we handle grief is very different. So you want to try to be helping them the way they receive help the best or the way that you can care for them the best. And, and so... That is a huge thing to try to be aware of because often we just do what we would want, but it's, it actually can hurt people, especially if they're grieving, if we go about it the wrong way. Yeah. However, I, sometimes I think people are scared of what to do. So I would say, do something, you know? Yeah. And another thing that's very difficult in grief, um, and this can relate to the death of a person or even other events. Um, the first year can be really tough with holidays or um, sometimes there are reminders that are related to the loss that come up. And so being there for a friend or a loved one in, in those firsts or those holidays or those reminders, that, that is so important. And what's beautiful um, is in Chinese, crisis means opportunity. Wow. And I think that's very true on both sides of it. It's an opportunity for the person going through it, <clears throat> even though we often don't look at it that way, but it's also an opportunity for the person who's a helper. Um, I've done a lot of crisis work. I worked for, um, um, a teen crisis center, mm -hmm. Doc County. So, I'm familiar with that. And what I've learned also in my personal life is that people remember who shows up when you're in crisis. Yeah. And so when we can be there for people when they're having the worst time in their life, they will always remember you and they'll always remember that you were there for them. And so it's an opportunity to really step up for those you love in those moments and not just to sort of hide in the background. Yeah. It's true. I've, I've experienced all of those types of things, both as a receiver when I was grieving different things and then also, you know, trying to figure out and everybody, like you said, is so different just in grieving over my sister. Um, you know, the way that I grieve, I really do love to talk about her and have memories and all and other members of my family are a lot more private about it. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Either one of us, it's just the way that we both 
kind of grieve this situation in our own ways. So I love that. Absolutely. Um, so, um, I think anyway, one of the things that, um, we tend to be scared of pain, whether it's going through the pain or even being there for somebody else in pain, we don't know what to do. Yeah. And so one of the things on both sides of the equation for the person who's experiencing it or the friend or the, the support person is let's not be scared of pain. Pain is part of life and it's going to happen. So rather than try to avoid it or ignore it, sometimes we need to embrace it and lean into it. And here's another quote I really like. This is from Jeffrey R. Holland. Okay. And he says, tears are all right. They're the price we pay for love, care, and compassion in the world. And I love that because it's, it's okay to cry. It's okay to have a bad time. And sometimes the best thing you can do is cry with somebody. For sure. So I think that, that. I think being there in that, that way really helps people. Thank you so much. So let's switch gears a little bit now and talk about, um, if anybody that's listening is maybe experiencing grief over, any number of situations going on in their lives. What are some specific strategies that we can give them to help them heal? Well, so I just want to talk about a principle first and then I'll go into that. Okay. So one thing that's really interesting about trauma and I'm sort of relating trauma and grief because grief happens because of a trauma usually. And so um, there's two ways that we can respond to trauma. We can... So what they found is that over half the people who experience trauma actually experience afterwards what they call post-traumatic growth. And the other set, which is lesser, they experience what we call complicated grief. Okay. Complicated grief means that you experience, um, you're paying a higher toll emotionally. You're having a harder time managing your feelings and emotions. Yeah. Um, and you have more depression and you, it's sort of like you're stuck in that rut of that. And, um, however, what they found with most people is they are able to build resilience as a result of the trauma or the grief. And so some of the benefits that come, I just want to share some of those too, because I think it's yeah, good to sure. know that on the other side of it, there are some really great things to gain, even though it doesn't feel like it. During the time. <laughs> That's the whole point of my podcast is to find the positive things that come from difficulties. So thank yes. you. Perfect. So I'm just going to read this list because I love this. This is some, this is based on some research. Um, and anyway, it said that, um, we can often have an increased perception of competence and self-reliance. So it's like you learn to rely on yourself and you learn to trust yourself more. Um, And then you also have greater acceptance of your vulnerability and negative emotional experiences. And I think when we have those experiences, it makes us more empathetic towards others. And for sure. And we also are in a better position to reach out to others. As you said earlier, when you've experienced something you have a lot more power to influence and help the lives of others who are going through similar things. And then often these, when you have these strong difficulties in your life, it actually can bring you the best relationships that you've ever experienced. 
Um, yes, it can draw you further from people, but it can also draw you closer um, to, to people. And it sort of shows you, who, like I said, who's showing up. It shows you who your friends really are. And then we often have a greater appreciation of our own existence. I think because we realize how fragile life is and that things can turn on a dime. So we tend to have more appreciation for what we do have. And then also in these moments, we have to really evaluate what our values, priorities, beliefs are. And so we often have a stronger spiritual anchor or whatever it is that we lean on. We have to really dig deep to find answers. So we have more um, sort of spiritual growth or learning what is really a priority to us. Yeah. Um, so I think those are good things to keep in mind. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Specific strategies, though, to help when you are going through it is... I'd say one of the best ways um, to get through grief is through language. And what I mean by language is this can be writing it out, like journaling or talking it out, um, telling your story. It's very important to use your words in whatever way you feel comfortable. Sometimes people prefer to do it alone. Yeah. Um, so you can, and, and I joke, talk to yourself. Give yourself encouragement because often that's what you'll need to do in these times is sort of be there for yourself. Um, and so we also want to make sure we're taking care of ourselves physically because often when we're dealing with grief, we don't take care of ourselves. We forget to eat. We forget to drink. We forget. We don't worry about doctor's appointments. We sort of give up on a lot of things. Self-care. We're often not sleeping well. So these are critical pieces for us to be able to get to a better place. So. Um, we need to make sure we're taking care of ourselves. And also as a friend or someone on the other side of it, you can make sure that that person is maybe caring for themselves. They're getting adequate food and sleep and all of those things. Yeah. Um, and I think trying, even though it, it often doesn't feel like you can at the time, trying to have a little fun, some positive activity every day. Because often with grief, you, it just, everything looks so dark and, and gloomy. And yeah. so, and, and often people almost feel guilty about having fun when they're going through grief. Like, especially mm -hmm. if you lose a person, you almost feel like you shouldn't be having fun. And if you do, you're betraying somebody. So that's a factor too. Um, and, and one thing we, like I said, as a, as a friend or helper or as the person in it, we want to fight what we call permanence. Permanence is, I think that is just something that we all have experienced, and especially in grief, we will experience. It's the feeling that whatever is going on currently, the pain that you are in, it will last forever. And that is, leads to a lot of hopelessness and maybe even thoughts of suicide, because often when you're in that much emotional pain, you can't imagine doing this forever. And, it, and, and that's what we often sort of the thinking here, we think like, this is the first day of forever and I can't do this. And so we want to help people know that even though grief can take a different amounts of time, with time, it will get better. You won't always feel this bad. You won't always be in this much pain. And so people need to know that so that they can have some hope that things can get to a better place for them. Yeah, you know, it's actually interesting. So as you're saying some of these things, 
I started thinking about the global pandemic right now. And quite honestly, this is something the entire world is grieving over in different ways. Um, It could be affecting you economically. It could be affecting you because your kids are home. It could be affecting you so many ways. But just how you were talking about that permanence, I think a lot of people right now, I'm kind of feeling that way. This is never going to end. This we're going to be in our, well, I'm always in my house, but (laughs) everybody else is going to be here with me all the time. Right. Never you know? right. Yeah. Like it, it just thinking about it. I, I think that going back and listening to this episode with that in mind and applying that all of these different um, strategies, even for the pandemic and for how people are feeling right now, I think that would be a great, a great tool. <laughs> yes. And that, I think that's really one of the biggest fights when you're going through a hard time is recognizing that it won't last forever. Yeah. And it's hard because in that moment, you don't feel like you ever could feel any different than what you're feeling at that moment. And I will say, because for people like me, that, I mean, really my illness probably isn't going to go away for the rest of my life. And so in, in some aspects it is here, but, um, it's not lasting forever as far as I'm not going to always feel in that dark pit that you were talking about. I have strategies and tools and things that I can learn to get out of that dark place and um, focus kind of what I try to do is focus on the things that I can do. So even though some trials do stick around for a really long time, um, it's not saying that they're never ending, but I think that that's something that's difficult for a lot of people dealing with illnesses. Right. I agree because it's you're, like you said, there may not be an end in sight to whatever yeah. illness you're experiencing. <laughs> so the permanence, I guess, could be just how you're feeling. As and far I, as well, I think, yeah, and I think it's more the grief process because it doesn't mean we're always going to be grieving over it. Like you said, you, you, we all gain coping skills. We gain, yeah. you know, um, new ways. Yeah. New coping skills with it. And so we can handle it better. And however, like you said, I think as we move forward, sometimes with an illness, there'll be new parts of it that will create sort of a new grief process. Yeah. Because, you know, especially if an illness is um, getting worse, then there will be new aspects of grief that will come up. And so um, in that way it can be a little ongoing, but it, it, yeah, the grieving process hopefully is not a, a exactly. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Well, so um, one of the things that I did want to share, this is one of my favorite quotes. And what I love about this quote is it's something that um, it was interesting in a moment of inspiration for myself during a really difficult time in my life. Um. I was looking for inspiration and I was going through a difficult time and I was looking for some relief. Um, And at the same time, President Nelson had just become a prophet. And whenever there's a new prophet, I want to gain my own testimony of that prophet. And so as he became prophet, I decided to go back to some of his the things he had recently said prior to becoming prophet. And so I happened upon this quote from him 
And it happened to come at that time when I really needed this. I did. I was doing it sort of to know more about the prophet and to gain that testimony, but it also helped me to, um, it gave me some answers on how to handle a difficult time in my life. Yeah. And I love this. Um, many of us have cried out from the depths of our hearts, a variation of the words, if I could spiritually stretch enough to draw the savior's power into my life, I would know how to handle my heart wrenching situation. I would know what to do and I would have the power to do it. And then this is my favorite part of the quote. When you reach up for the Lord's power in your life with the same intensity that a drowning person has when grasping and gasping for air, power from Jesus Christ will be yours. When the savior knows you truly want to reach up to him, when he can feel that the greatest desire of your heart is to draw his power into your life, you will be led by the Holy Ghost to know exactly what you should do. When you spiritually stretch beyond anything you have ever done before, then his power will flow into you. And then you will understand the deep meaning of words we sing in the hymn, the spirit of God. And the, the words from that that he shares are, the Lord is extending the saints understanding, the knowledge and power of God are expanding, the veil over the earth is beginning to burst. Wow. And then he says, the gospel of Jesus Christ is filled with his power, which is available to every earnestly seeking daughter or son of God. It is my testimony that when we draw his power into our lives, both he and we will rejoice. And I think this is the beauty of grief is it often makes us search and seek out for our heavenly father and his help. Yeah. And that actually can give us the greatest power and spirit that we've ever experienced in our life. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I haven't ever heard that. When that comes, I'll just share, um, that comes from the talk, Drawing the Power of Jesus Christ into Our Lives from April 2017. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of talk about grief and give us some, some tips and strategies on how to deal with it in our own lives or how to help other people who are going through it. Um, if there's anybody that's listening that would like to get in contact with you, what would be the best way to do that? The best way to contact me is through um, my office at Personal and Family Counseling in West Jordan. Perfect. And do you have an email? Yes, I do. It's Laura, L-A-U-R-A, at P and FC.com. And that's like personal and familycounseling.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening this week. I sure appreciate everybody being here. Um, if you feel inspired by anything that we have shared today, or if you feel like somebody maybe in your life could use some of this as, as a help for them in their grief, please make sure that you're sharing it. Um, and just, we would like to help as many people as we can. Um, and as always, I hope you guys have a wonderful week and find the light in your personal darkness. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. I want to give a special thanks to my son, Carter, for recording and writing our intro and outro music for this podcast. If you want to hear more of his music, you can find him on Instagram at CarterGuitar456. 